This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. As you go on your journey to living the one thing, you realize it's not just about your professional success. In fact, most of it has to do with your personal life, whether that's your spirituality or your physical health, your personal life, your key relationships, or your finances. Today, we are diving specifically into finances. Over the past few years, as we have facilitated our goal-setting retreats, we know that money is a very important topic that people set goals around. It's also one of the most challenging topics that couples struggle with. How do we get on the same page with money? And when it comes to habits, how do we form habits that allow us to live a lifestyle based on a budget, whether that's a big budget or a small budget? That's why we are going to introduce you to the person that you are going to meet today. Over the past close to two decades, he has been on a personal journey of getting on a budget with his wife. And what started as something to help him pay for a wedding and pay for their newborn baby suddenly turned into a thriving business that has helped hundreds of thousands of people across the globe. You can learn more about his book entitled You Need a Budget as well as his software entitled You Need a Budget. One thing you'll notice is that you're going to feel like you're a fly on the wall between a private conversation between two guys just talking about money and habits and getting on the same page with your significant other. Uh, it's, it's a super authentic conversation that I know that you are going to enjoy. Our hope is that you ask the question, based on this conversation, what's one thing I can do that would make getting on a budget easier or unnecessary? And I'm just going to give you a heads up. At the very end of the episode, he gives you a super clear lead domino that would make getting started so easy for you. With that, let's get into this conversation with the founder of the organization and software, You Need a Budget, and author of the book, You Need a Budget, Jesse Meekum. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. What was going on in your life when you realized that you actually needed a budget? Uh, I was getting married. (laughs) But why would that be helpful in that moment? (laughs) Yeah, two two poor people, you marry them and it's not, there's no synergy there. It's like, they're just poor together, you know? So that was our... (laughs) That was our situation. It compounds in the wrong direction. (laughs) Yeah. That's That's interesting. So... What did that look like for you? Because I know a lot of couples fight. I mean, money is the number one thing that couples yeah. fight about. So what did it look like for you and your wife to navigate this journey together? 
When we were engaged, uh, my wife was working 10 bucks an hour. I was working about 10 bucks an hour. We were both students. And so while we were engaged with me not asking any permission, I just kind of started crunching numbers. I was this budding accounting student. And and I realized like, whoa, this is going to be tight. you know. And I had three years of school ahead of me. She still had a year. She was going to graduate in social work, which isn't exactly like the most lucrative field, you know? So our prospects were one of, you know, extreme frugality. And then when we got married, we kind of cheated because we had this honeymoon phase. So I'm like, Julie, what would you think if we just use this budget that I built? And, and I could do no wrong in those first, I don't know, 30 days, you know? So she's like, yeah, that sounds good. And, and from that point on, we just kind of had these, these habits of looking at the budget, talking about the budget, it was a great start. So there are ways to get around that when you're building a new habit with a partner and you have other habits you need to unwind and kind of rewire. Mm. But at the end of the day, you kind of make the budget the bad guy. You make the budget the thing you talk about and you take money off the table and talk more about what you care about, what you want. It, it seems to go a little smoother when you can extricate money from a money conversation at the end of the day. So. I, w- I want to dive in there because you're, you're pressing on multiple things which strike a chord. One is habits. There's a quote in the one thing that people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. Their habits decide their futures. What were some of those early habits you formed that made being on the page with money easier for you? We would enter money in a little spreadsheet. Now we got phones and fancy things. So you have to kind of think about it in a different way. But we would enter every time we spent money, we would enter that in the spreadsheet. And it was this very manual, almost analog in that sense, but this very manual experience where you were kind of just for a moment, just touching the money and being like, this is real. I really want to do this. We did this. And it wasn't just this quick swipe, quick kind of thoughtless impulse, um, reactionary. It was, there was a little bit of decision kind of wrapped up in the action still. And that little piece of manual work, although small, was big for us because Mm. it kind of kept us in touch with it. That was probably number one early on. The other one was we would only ever ask ourselves what we wanted to do with money that we actually already had in the bank account, where the opposite happens. A lot of people will say, you know, say, hey, uh, Jeff, things are a little tight for you. And you're like, oh, yeah, but in three weeks, this will happen. And then it's a whole different world. You know, I'll land this, land that, get a big check, whatever. You, you know, you can come up with a story. And we, we've avoided you having to answer tough questions about what your money should do now when resources are scarce because you've manufactured a commission check coming in that will alleviate that stress. Prior to co-founding this company, when I was in medical device sales, they made a change to my commission structure. It was the right thing to do. But I lost 40% of my income overnight. And I remember my wife and I did not have good habits around money together at the time. And I remember telling myself the story, don't worry, things will be better next month. Trying to think like, oh, the commission check will come. I can't tell you what deal it's going to be. It's going to be there though. (laughs) And that was a justification to not change our lifestyle. The month came and went and I found myself saying the same thing. It'll get better next month. And what ended up happening is that month after month after month, we had a emergency fund, but it got to the point that it was almost at zero. I'm so grateful we had it. But when I started seeing it to go to zero and I was always raised like, you do not have debt. You do not specifically credit card debt. Um, You pay for what you have. That's when it really hit me like, oh, I'm not in control here. And I'm looking at my pipeline. 
I don't see how things are changing. And I now have a six month track record that says it's not going to change. Like your income in changing, your, your lifestyle is way too high. And that's when our marriage was very much tested. Yeah, absolutely. Not in a good That'll way. I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to go through that refiner's fire that way. At least you come out on the other side and, and you've learned something. But uh, I would rather have had you, you know, in hindsight, you can say, I would have rather had you manufacture that scarcity by saying, hey, this is all we have. What are our priorities? Where, where do we need to cut? And then if you're wrong on, on my side, you're totally okay. But if you're wrong on the rosy glasses side, it it can make for some even tougher situations down yeah, the road. Totally true. You know, you 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 said something that also struck a chord with me was you make the budget the bad guy. Mm-hmm. What does that really look like? Because money's a touchy subject. Yeah, it's it is. And and I think it's touchy for so many reasons that we may or may not get into, but when when you both can agree on the budget, and by budget, I just mean the plan for the money. I don't mean it's naturally restrictive, that it naturally means things have to be cut back, that you have to not spend here or there. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a plan. It's like a plan for your day. If I say, hey, are you going to plan for your day? You'd be like, hey, don't contain. You know, it's like, well, do you have a schedule? Don't put a schedule on me. I'm a free... Like No one treats a schedule like they do a budget. And so I want people to kind of think about it uh, more from a mindset of, this is just what I want. This is what I want my money to do. So in that regard, when you and your spouse are on board with it, then when life throws a 40% pay cut at you, you can just be like, okay, we got to look at the budget. And you're not saying like, hey, honey, why aren't you pulling your weight here? Hey, why are you spending this? Well, you're, I mean, blame kicks off so quickly if we aren't careful. Instead, it's just this idea that you can kind of place on the table that's the budget and you can just kind of poke and prod it together and look at it together, but you're standing side by side doing it instead of mm-hmm. facing off with each other, you know, adversarially. Yeah. So, uh, it's, yeah, make it the bad guy. Just kind of, I mean, there are all kinds of phrases you can use that are less loaded. Like um, using we is actually quite powerful. The other thing is just kind of- We instead of you. Out. Yes, absolutely. And then, and I'm no marriage therapist, right? There's a lot of times where there's, there's a lot that one could work on in a relationship until, you know, you're, uh, you move along. Um, but what, what I really love is when people can just kind of take money out of it and say, well, okay, my commission's 40% less. What does that mean for us? You know, like, what does this mean? How does this make us feel? And not talk about what did you spend and where did the money go and who's doing what? That makes total sense. How did this evolve from something that you and your wife did to an actual company? So the one thing, if I can steal that phrase for a moment, um, the one thing was a baby. It was he, he was going to land about a year after we got married, a little over a year after we got married and uh, planned, you know, but didn't have, have the, I, you, yeah, like we, we wanted him to come, you know, we still like him. He's here now, you know, <laughs> but um, it, it was one of those things where we're like, yeah, we feel good. We want to do this. We want to have this baby. But then as you know, the baby is imminent in his arrival, I started doing my thing again, crunching numbers. And one of our kind of non-negotiable, just, we just, It was so key for us. Well, there were two. One was we didn't want to borrow any money for school. And so I had gotten a little bit of a scholarship with some of some good grades. And then Julie had been, um, she was the breadwinner essentially while I was trying to hustle through school. We wanted Julie as our second non-negotiable to be able to just focus completely on having this baby, staying home and just being with him. And so with no debt allowed and Julie would stop working. 
that we were squeezed between these two things that I treated as absolutely just no wavering. And from that, I thought, well, maybe this little spreadsheet that Julie and I've used, maybe a few other people would want it and I could sell it for a little bit and make just enough to get cover rent. And I had, we had savings accumulated at this point and I kind of could see, okay, I could ride it out and graduate, become a CPA and make a quarter of a million bucks as a partner in some big fancy law, you know, a law firm or accounting firm or something. And luckily that didn't work, but uh, <laughs> it, sque- it squeezed me, you know, in that way. And, and out of that uh, scarcity, that the idea came, maybe we could sell this and make a little extra. So it was, uh, my grand vision was make rent, you know, not to... Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> so you were successful in starting to sell it. At what point did you realize that you actually had something here? Oh, it's like different stages of what that something means. You know, the first sale, I thought, oh, well, there's something, right? I had to refund her the money, but it, you know, that's still she had, she'd clicked and bought. I say she because I remember her email address still, and we had exchanged. I remember emails. my very first sale too. <laughs> I mean, it's a big deal. You know, yeah. it's validating. Like all this wonder is suddenly real, and so there was there was that was a something. I, when I stumbled upon our four rules that we teach people on how they should think about their money, has nothing to do with our software. But when I kind of found the rules as I was explaining how things worked, that changed the game for us. Like we saw sales just double. And, and it was from small to double small. But I realized, oh, there's something here about teaching people to think differently and then watch the magic happen. Walk us through um, the four selling. rules. So we, we say, give every dollar a job. That's prioritization. Uh, it's trade-offs, always. Um, number two is to embrace your true expenses, meaning you can't just be trading off now like, hey, Jeff, do you want to go get sushi or do you want to go get Little Caesars? You're thinking about that, but you're also thinking like, well, I also have Christmas coming in 10 months. And so that needs to be considered. And so you're embracing your true expenses, meaning your larger, less frequent expenses those become more like monthly considerations that mm. are weighed in the balance. Um, it, if I could kind of liken it to time management, it's like, you know, you should spend time with your kids. You know that that relationship is super important and one of the longest lasting relationships you hopefully have. And so what are you doing daily or weekly for that long lasting thing? You're going to strike a chord with this, with this community because we talk about not setting goals, but having a relationship with them. You might know what your goal is for the year, but how do you break that down to what exactly you need to do this week? How do you think big that then go really small so that you're chipping away to this week that over time leads to big, big things? Yeah. So if you take if you take someone that just draw, I'm going to use twelve hundred dollars, not because I think that's what you should spend on Christmas. I I don't care how much you spend, but because it divides evenly. <laughs> it divides evenly. So so someone usually have twelve hundred dollars in credit card debt at the end of of you know the holidays. And then they they chip away at it by paying minimums and paying a lot of interest. And by the end of that, they've paid sixteen hundred dollars. And you you came with the life you know a rule of no credit card debt, so you're ahead of the game for most people. But if you think about originally when we we're telling someone, hey, instead of being in the hole twelve hundred dollars, we actually want you to be ahead twelve hundred dollars. We're doing this twenty four hundred dollar turnaround on them, and they're just like they can't even fathom it. But when you say, hey, you have a monthly bill for Christmas of a hundred bucks many, many people, and I'm not talking about people that are in dire straits that actually stretch dollars way further than you and I ever could imagine. I'm talking about people that are making money, making enough money, making good money, and should be doing better with it. They shouldn't carry the stress they're carrying. 
So when we talk about that $100 a month Christmas bill, suddenly they're just like, oh, I think I could swing that. And then in June, you have 600. And in August, you have 800. And it suddenly there's a little bit of joy during the holidays, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that embrace your true expenses rule two, it's really still rule one. It's still prioritizing. It's just kind of with like current Jeff and future Jeff, both sitting at the negotiation table. Also, your spouse, current and, and future. And you're all having this chat, like, well, what do you two need? It's like, well, we actually want to go on vacation in six months. Could you guys throw us a bone here? And we're like, oh, I guess we could. There's this negotiation with the future version of you. And, and when we frame it that way, it's not about depriving ourselves of something now. It's about achieving something later on that we quite want. Love that. Um, Love that. What's so three and four? Three and four quickly is, I mean, rule three shouldn't even be a rule. But it's kind of like saying, hey, you've set this um, budget for yourself. If you need to change it, go ahead. So we call it rolling with the punches. You know, but uh, your commission dropped, you know, dramatically. And that was a massive punch that was months of recovery, I'm I'm assuming, what it sounds like. So that was a huge punch. Sometimes punches are small, like uh, a friend calls you up and is like, hey, do you want to go out? And you think, oh, I didn't plan for that, but gosh, I do. And so, you you know, you move stuff around in the budget a little bit. It's it's an NFL coach making adjustments after they see the first snap. It's a it's a chess grandmaster responding to a move. You know, it, it's just you. Just it's fluid. Any kind of, any kind of budget that's brittle will just it just breaks. Yeah, so, I love that. It's it's flexible for the needs in the moment. Yeah, and and you can't you aren't being whipsawed there. You aren't like folding. You aren't kind of a slave to whatever a whim comes your way. So there, there's a framework there, but it needs to bend and move a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, our fourth rule is to age your money. And we essentially, if you think about, if you earned a dollar today, that dollar would be zero days old, a little baby dollar. You don't, you don't send babies out into the world. You let them grow. So we want people to get to a point where the dollar they're spending today, they earned 30, 40 days ago. Step away from that edge a little bit. Those are the rules. And we don't, I mean, we sell software, but we don't sell software. We teach those rules. And then the software is what keeps the lights on. Yeah, I love that. You know, you talk a lot about the relationship between money and priorities. I'm curious how, when you look at life, when you look at your core values, when you look at your priorities, how do you align that with money? Well, one way you could look at it is if you if you look at someone's money, their outflows, you could start to say, well, is that, right? man, you really value X. And they're like, well, no, I don't. You're like, hmm, don't, I think you do based on how you're spending your money. And they're like, no, I don't. So there's a lot of times just a mismatch between what people really value and where their money's going. And I think it's just because we don't like to spend a lot of time thinking about money. We'll spend loads of time pursuing a career and even doing like office politics and trying to get ahead and figure out how do I kill it on this project? And how do I put my best foot forward for my boss? And how do I become the boss? And all of this effort, and you're talking with your spouse about, I got a raise, I got this. I'm, I'm going to land this deal. This is great. All this talk and energy positively. And then when that, all that effort is converted into a dollar, we're just like, oh, I'm not good with money. You're like, what the heck just happened there? You're like this high achieving person that just goes 90 miles an hour. And then if it's ever converted to a dollar, it's like, oh, I don't know. it's odd to me. So I'd like to see people just that same prioritization, that same energy that you put into 
saying, this is how I'm going to run my day. This is how I'm going to handle my career. This is how I'm going to do this or that. That you would just say, well, this is how I'm going to handle my money. My guess is most people could line up their money with their priorities very easily if they just cared to ask themselves the question. What's, what's interesting about this is it's so easy to say yes to the thing that looks attractive in the moment without context of where does that fall in order of what's really important. And it's yeah, the same thing absolutely. with time. It's easy when somebody sends an email and says, hey, can you meet? And you're like, oh, yeah, let me... Let me I see the, the window in my calendar. Like, I'm just going to say yes without context of what's on my 411. What's on my tool that gives me clarity on my priorities? Is this actually more important than my number one priority for the week? Is it number two? Is it number three? I'm just hearing the exact same thing with your money. Like looking at it and saying, I have X number of dollars. If I could only invest or spend it in one thing, what would it be? Should I earn the right to spend it on a second? What would it be? Yeah. And what's nice is that trade-off has to happen. So just like time, you can't do both. And so you know we've we've both decided this this interview is worth our time, right? And there are a, th- a thousand other things that we both said no to um, by by nature of what we what we're doing here. It's the same thing with money. So when a new thing comes along, it's saying buy this or do this. It has to compete with with priorities that you've already said are important. Whether it's going on a vacation, paying off debt, paying down on your house, buying a second home. I don't care. But you're really clear. Like these are the things that we want. And then when something comes up, you're comparing it against those things you really want. And it may be that you say, yeah, I actually, I do want this more, but you're thinking about it. And it sounds so odd that we've built a business basically trying to convince people just to think for a moment about how they want to use their money. And we like to, there's some cadence to it. You don't think about it hard every time you, you know, you're in Home Depot Mm -hmm. grabbing another two by four, but you do monthly, you think, okay, is this lining up? And people even structure their spending categories and their saving categories, like top things, most important, you know, and like this, I want to do this. I want to get out of debt here. I want to build an emergency fund, or I want to go on vacation when we do that again. What does it look like for you on your journey to make sure that the money you spend or invest is aligned with your values and your priorities? For me, I've this has been a a bit of a change, you know, as you as I've kind of grown, gotten older, had more I and mean, I have seven kids. So like there's this bit of like, okay, how's this change as it's gone from one to seven? There's a bit of change there, you know? But, Slightly. <laughs> oh my gosh. A little bit. Like, yeah, it, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, they come one at a time. At least for us they did, you know. And so we were able to <laughs> incrementally, incrementally adjust. There's some space between them, some strategic spacing as necessary. But um, for me, I've, I noticed that I used to care a lot more about um, every dollar. And now I care more about fewer things. Like I, I really want to reach some goals on investing. I like, I'm focused on that and I'm not nearly as focused on what I would now call minutia. However, back in the day, you know, early on 16, 17 years ago, uh, I knew what the price of a can of corn was. And, you know, we would, we were coupon clipping. And I mean, I had a different, I had different values. Like my, my time was worth less than the money essentially. And now it's flipping a little bit where I'm more selective because I don't want I'm just more picky about where I spend my time. 
And that can translate sometimes into where I put my money at the end of the day. It, it is interesting when you start earning and you start to actually view your time as the greatest investment, that you start to understand what's the value of my time and what am I doing that I'm not getting a good deal because I'm doing $10 an hour work, $15 an hour work, and my time is worth exponentially more than that. That's a very interesting shift. And this might be, this is a little bit from the hip, so this might bomb, but everyone has the same amount of time. So, and it's not, I, I would push back on someone always calculating their, their hourly rate. Mm-mm. There's something I think a little off in our psyche because it kind of would make you feel like doing more or maximization is a desirable goal. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if maximization is the goal. I think satisfaction might be an interesting goal or contentment is an interesting goal. But I I enjoy building very amateur things out of wood that was not worth my time. And so being clear on that, I think, is an important part. That computation is valuable, but there's 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 a concept in the one thing called counterbalance. There's no such thing as a balanced life. There's counterbalance. There There are areas that you focus and you go long in. There are other areas that you go short in. And what you're saying is actually a reflection of it. We're not saying know the value of your time and now make sure that every single hour is is maximizing that. Like I'll I'll just be really I'll use a per- personal example. I am hyper clear that when I have time blocks for me to focus on driving growth of the organization, specifically lead generation and marketing, I can tell you exactly what my dollars per hour is because I track it. It's a big number. It shocked me. And that drives a certain value for the organization and for me personally. Yeah. Then there's the time that I invest with my kids. I'm receiving $0 in that moment, yet it brings um, fulfillment. It brings happiness. It's a different value. right? There's the, there's the professional ROIs. There's those personal things. And I'm, I'm hearing you talk about both. Yeah, I love that. Can you be clear about the value of your time when you are doing the professional things? Are you doing the things that matter most that drive the most value? And there are things that you're going to do. Like for you, if woodworking is something that brings you happiness, I mean, that's what we're trying to achieve anyways. You've got seven kids. I think you probably want to invest some time with them. Right? What are the experiences that you're going to share while they're under your roof? Matters. Yeah. Yeah, that was well put. I like that. There's, I, I often tell my team, there's no such thing as work-life balance. This idea of, of like perfection, where I'm just mm. using this perfect homeostasis, it doesn't happen. It ebbs and flows. We have to kind of be comfortable with that. Yep. But being, you yeah, being very cognizant of where you're at and what the objective is, is a whole different ballgame. As you've gone down your journey, I mean, you're, you're almost two decades into you mastering having a budget. And I mean, how many people have you helped now through the software oh, you need a budget? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of thousands, yeah. Right. What have you learned? Uh, I'm less preachy than I used to be on specifics. So that's been fun to kind of back off on that. I, I learned that if I could just get people to answer the like one question of what should your money do before mm. more money comes in and then just sit back and let them stew that like it was awesome and i didn't have to be like well what do you think about um eating out so often or 
let me, I'll, I'll be clear. Like number one thing people cut back on, if they want to get out of debt, they cut back on eating out. Like we have data. It's, it's hands down biggest needle mover. However, I don't have to say that to anyone. I don't have to be this anti-eating out guy. I'm not, uh, because people just, as they start to kind of think and stew and mole, they're just like, Ooh, I didn't know about this. It's like, you're watching someone just kind of get these light bulbs. So I've, I've loved um, as I'm no longer in my twenties and now in my forties where I'm just like, Oh, I like not having to be so preachy. You're just giving some guidance and watching people well, do what I've, what I heard is you went from, I see people when they want to go on the journey to master the art and the science of coaching, they start by asking leading questions and try to assert their opinion. Well, what do you think about eating out? What are you going to do there? Right. That's leading versus asking a much bigger question. Like, well, what should your money do? And allowing people to search for the answers and allowing it to be their answer, which is massively important. Because if you just say, "Mm -mm, focus on eating out, it's not their idea. They may not be bought in. But if they really sat back and said, well, man, first and foremost, man, I've got to cover my necessities. And the second thing is I really should be planting some seeds for the future and the Third thing that I should be doing is actually budgeting for experiences for the family. And then when they when they run it through that way, it's like, oh man, like we eat out because there's just nights where we're tired and we're lazy and we just don't want to do it. But that's actually not what matters most. Yeah. Or maybe it is. Maybe you're a foodie. We happen to be foodies. Oh, yeah. I, I prioritize right, yeah. eating out. Well, you're in a good spot because there's there's good there's good stuff over there. My, I had a I had a great experience with my good friend where he was he was telling me. They, you know, they were going to the movies. They loved going to the movies as a family. Loved it. But he was also telling me, I really want to cut back. I really want to, he had these aggressive goals. And, and uh, so I said, you know, we were, we were walking through his budget. I don't do this very often, but he was a good friend. And, and um, I said, so tell me about the, the movies. And he's like, we love it. It's just like a family thing. I said, no, I mean, like, tell me what you love about it. And then he starts unpacking. He was like, well, we're all together. It's this shared thing. We love the popcorn. I'm like, tell me more. And at the end of the day, he was like, you know, everything I listed, I think I could recreate at home. And it wasn't me. And it wasn't me saying anything. It was just, we got to like the essence. Like, why are you a foodie? Like, there's so much more than just the taste of the food in your mouth, right? Mm, it's the experience so much more of it. Food. Yeah. And so when you're really clear on that and you're asking why, I don't know, five, six times, you can get to these points where you might be able to have your cake and eat it too, essentially. I just love, love that. that stuff. Yeah. Well, I found on my journey that um, money was sometimes the easy button. Money was an excuse to not think. Like if I had the disposable income, I could just press the easy button for date night and say, we're going to go to a nice restaurant. And what I was really doing was putting my chips on the fact that because it was a nice restaurant, that would create connection between my wife and I, and that would improve our marriage. And then you come to find out that's not actually what does it. You know, I could have just as easily picked up a bottle of wine and some sandwiches from a place and grabbed a picnic blanket and gone to a cool park. And that would have created far more connection and value in the marriage than the fancy meal for a fraction of the cost. But it would have required me to be to think and be actually be purposeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, all, it's all intention at the end of the day. It's yeah. just, everything's intention. What I'd love to do is walk through for somebody who does not yet have a habit of having a positive relationship with a budget, how they can get started. And I'm just going to give a little context to this because I have found 
um, like when I was in medical device sales, I started making some really good money. And I did not have the right habits in place to have a positive relationship with money. When my income got slashed, my lifestyle stayed fixed. That created problems. I told myself I would never do that again. When I finally got out of that situation and started to make money again, it bailed me out from forming the right habits and it happened again. And it was like that second time I looked at my wife and went, we didn't learn the lesson. This is happening because we didn't learn the lesson on how to live a lifestyle based on a budget, whether it's a big budget or a small budget. How does somebody get started? We start everyone out the exact same way. So you might make 300 grand a year and you just rake in commissions left and right, or you might be making 30 grand a year. And um, it actually doesn't matter at all what you make. It's what you have on hand whenever we decide to sit down and do this exercise. So for anyone listening, if you're not driving, right, you uh, pull out your phone, check your bank balance. That's how most people make spending decisions. It's the worst piece of money information that you can possibly have. All it tells you is how much money is in your checking account and that it tells you virtually nothing. So from this point forward, you will never ever again spend money based on what's in your checking account. So this is what we do. You look at that number, let's say it's $500. And I, I would ask you, if I was sitting across me, I'd say, okay, Jeff, what do you want this money to do before you're going to be paid again? And if you were normal, and this happens so many times, it's like clockwork. They would say, well, um, it's only $500, but on Friday, I actually, and I would say, well, stop. Don't worry about Friday. Let's just talk about this money. What does this money need to do before you're paid again? And they'd say, well, um, maybe I got to fill up the car with some gas. And, oh, and then I have this bill coming in. So I use the paycheck from next Friday and they, they go back into like the, the future will solve my current problem. So you ran them in usually twice and then they get it. And you're like, stop. What Here's $500. This is all you have. Just what does this money need to do? And when new money comes in, we'll do this exercise again, but just this money. And they allocate every single dollar of those $500, $5,000, doesn't matter. It's amazing how often people will then say, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And we didn't change anything about how much was in that, that bank account. And so it's just the clarity in the moment of being like, I have this much money. I have this much time. It's finite. What will I do? And when you have that, that, that is as clear as one can be. What, no matter what the bank account balance is, the clarity is crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And so we can get crystal clear clarity with someone, regardless of their financial situation. They know what to do next. And that's why it works every time. When new money comes in, you just answer the same question again. Um, and the, you know, the four rules walk you through that. It's just, it's just that first rule, give every dollar a job. And then as you get a little more money, then you're starting to think, what about the future? Give those dollars jobs. Do we need to change this? That's rule three. Should we kind of have some money set aside for the future? That's rule four. But it's all just that question. What do you want to do? And it's an exercise that you can do. Just literally pull out your phone, get the balance. Don't use a computer. Don't use a spreadsheet. Don't use sums. Just write it all down nice and manual and and get a feeling of like, oh, I, I have clarity on what's next. Here's what I love about this. Um, We have a saying, the path to getting everything you want starts by getting one thing at a time. 
Think big, think those small, yes. and trust the dominoes will fall. You know, we we we've been talking about kind of this bigger vision of how do you become the type of person who not only has a budget, but has a positive relationship with one, with especially if you have a significant other and being on the same page. And for a lot of people, that's like a 57th domino, which for us, we know that's the domino that reaches from the earth to the moon. Yet what you just described is like that vision, the lead domino, that two-inch little domino that effortlessly falls is you look at the money in your bank and ask one question. What does this money need to do? And just by asking that question, it forces you to like actually start giving the every dollar a job. Not worrying about future stuff. You are literally saying, this is where it needs to go. Then you earn the right when the next check comes to set you up to ask the question again. And you start to turn that into a habit. I'm hearing it makes having the budget easier. It makes spending and investing dollars in order of priority and in alignment with your values easier. It makes forming the right habits easier. It makes building wealth easier. Yeah. I wish I could say it was more complicated, but... Well, this is where you and I are, are aligned. I mean, it says on the cover, the one thing, the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. It's People need simple. We don't need complicated. Yeah. Simple doesn't mean doesn't mean easy. Dude. Yeah. You're like <laughs> my brother from another mother. <laughs> yeah. Truth. Where can people learn more about your book, You Need a Budget, as well as the software you need a budget? Well, uh, creatively, the website, you need a budget.com. If you're in a hurry, you can type ynab.com and that'll get you there as well. Ynab.com. Yeah. That's it. And and honestly, if we do a 34-day trial, we don't take the credit card because we don't like we, you know, we're trying to get you not to spend money. And we certainly would be really uh be, be poor form if we were trying to be sneaky about having you spend money with us. So we don't we don't take a credit card, run it for 34 days. That that 34 days lets you see how the month rolls over and how kind of the month I was works. that that is such a specific yeah. number. Why? Yeah, so that's it. That's the reason you got to have a whole month plus a little more to see that transition and then be like, oh, now my Christmas fund has $200 in it. I like how this feels, you know? Um, and we, we run about 150 workshops every week that are live where you can ask questions. Um, it's like, they're about 22 minutes long and they are as inarticulate as I am when I'm in these interviews, they are, they are just dialed in. They know every question. They know exactly how to answer it. It's not a a moment wasted. So while you might think, I don't like going to like, you know, a webinar and going to learn something, it's 22 minutes or something really well spent on seeing how we think about our money and then seeing that translated into implementation. So I- Do you say you I, do 150 of those a week? Yeah. Yeah. Our team just, it's a, uh, we're machines over there and the teachers are, they're, they're just phenomenal instructors. So that's, it's time well spent there. Unless you see the connection, like theory, where Jesse was talking to Jeff and it was like, oh, okay, it sounds... And then like, okay, into action. How does this work? Is it time well spent or time well invested? 
I guess invested. Yeah. Although I do flip that sometimes when someone wants to invest, they're like, I want to build my savings. I, I, but I also love spending money. I said, well, you're just spending money on stocks and bonds. That's fine. You're still buying. <laughs> Get that dopamine it. hit. Like when you buy shoes, you know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I, I love the chat. And if I'm ever out in Utah, I'll hit you up and do the same if you're ever out in Denver. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Jesse Meekum. We hope you enjoyed it. It was. It definitely had this feeling of just a super authentic conversation between two guys. And what I love about him is that he is so down to earth and going from where he and his wife were when they were just getting married and you know had a few nickels to rub together to he's built a very successful business, helping people just get a budget. I love the practicalness of what he shared and that simple lead domino of opening up your checking account and asking the question, what does this money need to do? Because if you just knock that domino down, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. If you'd like to learn more about his software called You Need a Budget, you can check out youneedabudget.com or you can type in YNAB.com. And he also has a book out entitled You Need a Budget. If this episode has brought value to you, please think of somebody that you know needs to hear it. I promise almost everybody that you're in relationship with could get value from this episode. If you are new to The One Thing Podcast, welcome. Every week, we have a brand new episode to help you better live the one thing, which means investing your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. So click the subscribe button so all future episodes are automatically downloaded to your device of choice. And if this episode in particular brought value to you, consider leaving us a rating and review. It genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.